This episode is partnered with Refresh Juice, Perth cold-pressed juice and cleanse programs with local and native produce. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello, all you beautiful Left of Field listeners. I am Danny Kavanagh, and today we are going to jump straight into my episode with Kim Monteith. Kim Monteith, also known as Monty, has started personal training just over nine years ago for a little extra work and fell in love with the industry. Since then, he has become an endurance athlete completing in the True Grit 24-hour enduro race. Monty has pushed himself to the limit over and over again, and it's great to find out about the ups and downs of training and the race. He opens up about it, and I really enjoyed the chat. I was really inspired, so I hope you are too. Let's get into it. Kim or Monty, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No worries. Now, your name on Instagram, your name out in the fitness world is Monty. Can you tell everyone uh, where is that started? Because your actual name is Kim. That's it. Yeah, so Kim Monteith obviously is my main name, but with the last name Monteith, obviously playing footy, you got you got to get the nickname. So it was shortened to Monty. There's a few other nicknames as well. Probably won't go into those ones. But so just sort of Monty, it's just a preferred name, nickname that I run with. Yeah, that's kind of where it all stuck. So the Instagram led to the full Monty and there we are. You optimize health and fitness all over social media and I think into your day-to-day life as well. But let's take it back to the beginning. Where did your love for sport begin? So through the family, my, my, my father, Bruce, was a Richmond football club footy player and he, he was a premiership player in the 1980 grand final and I grew up you know, knowing that he was this uh, big famous football player and, you know, he played for South Frio back in the days in the Waffle as well before he went there and then and finished his career there. So growing up with a dad like that, we were always active, we were always kicking the footies, playing tennis, playing cricket. So I had a very active childhood, which just continued on and my love for being outdoors and love for sport and fitness just continued to grow, especially football. Yeah, just absolutely fell in love with training and, and, and working out and feeling good. Yeah, now you spent a few years at the East Fremantle Football Club and then you now currently play in Country League. Can you tell me what's the difference between those two levels here in Western Australia? Yeah, a fair bit. I mean, the, the Waffle, I played Waffle many years ago for East Fremantle down at the Sharks, an absolutely awesome club and I grew up in East Fremantle as well. So spent many years there and that's obviously the Waffles, the second tier competition below AFL, so to speak. So it's a good competitive league. It's where a lot of sort of teenage kids grow and, and try and make it to AFL from there. But it's a really good competition. Country League, I never even thought about playing Country League until I sort of got to my later 20s. In fact, I was going to sort of give up playing football and my brother said, oh, make sure you play one one year of country, you'll love it. So I suppose it's, it's still a very competitive league in certain country leagues. I played in the GSFL for quite a few years um, down in the Mount Barker Bulls. Yeah, look, it's a great competition, but more importantly, just the level of you know love for the game that the people have down there and the community. And they're all farmers and they're all country people. So their one day out is either footy or cricket or hockey or whatever sport it is down there. So the crowds just come along and they just absolutely thrive on it. It's just your, your typical cars around the oval honking the horns and everyone gets involved. It's just, it's awesome stuff. 
Yeah, it is quite a, a full community event. Everyone rocks out for those games on the weekend. That's right. It would have been treated like royalty if you're playing well. Oh, look, you know, we, we, being from Perth, we had a pretty good group that go down each week on a little bus. And, you know, they, they did. They treated us so well. They, we'd always stay back and... You know, it's a four and a half hour drive. Every Saturday, we'd go down and play footy, but then we'd still stay back because they were just so good to us. They'd cook us all dinner and stay around, have a couple of beers, and then head home and get home pretty intoxicated after a few uh, few bevies on the way home, <laughs> very late at night. So how did that kind of fitness aspect of your life turn into you wanting to test yourself more and become an endurance athlete? I think when I played footy, I always put other things off. I never wanted to get injured. I, in, in the off-season, I was always tentative to try like these obstacle course races and things like that that I do now. I didn't want to go and hurt myself. When I jump into something, I'd, I'd give it 110%. So I, I kind of knew that I'd probably end up doing something silly and, and risk being injured for footy, which was most important to me. When I finished footy, well, I finished footy only recently, about 12 months ago. During COVID, I sort of tried to get back into it, but it just wasn't really working. I had a few injuries. But I started doing these obstacle course races purely for the fact that I'd just missed out on them for so many years and I was so keen to get involved in it and start trying new things and testing myself on endurance running and long distance. And that's where it all sort of began. Footy is very repeat repeat effort, interval-based style fitness, you know, stop-start but high intensity. And I wanted to jump into something completely outside the bubble that I was used to and jump into sort of long distance and endurance, which, to be honest, I hated it. I, I was afraid to go for these, you know, 20 30k run I'd, I'd be like absolutely not but it's amazing what you can train yourself and your, your mind to be able to to do and to enjoy so much yeah on that so the training what goes into the preparation to get your body ready for one of these endurance obstacle courses because you've done quite a few now you've done the true grit which was obviously a 24-hour endurance race which is quite big but how do you get started in it all where do you begin WA don't do a lot of obstacle course races. True Grit is one of the ones that do come over to WA and there is just actually a new company now called Red Dust who who are starting some friends of mine who have just started these obstacle course races to bring more to Perth, which is awesome. But yeah, I jumped into True Grit a couple of years ago. They do a state-based one, which is more of a 10K or a 12K course with about 30 obstacles, which are military-based styled you know tough obstacles so I started there and I literally did one and I was like this is for me this tests your endurance your speed your agility your strength absolutely everything it's like an all-rounder and I absolutely loved it a friend of mine Shannon who had done quite a few of these and won a couple of them as well he said mate you should go and do 24-hour endurance race in Sydney and typical my answer I was like yeah sweet when is it let's do it so I hadn't even run road marathon let alone do a 24-hour endurance race but I just signed up I said mate let's do it there's only one way to jump into it and that's go full steam ahead that's kind of where it all started and from there the training involved I think I had six months to get ready for a 24-hour endurance event when I hadn't really run further than 15 k's before in one go (laughs) so So where do you get uh, started do you do different trail runs what do you do you build the running oh, look, it's, first it's about or the... building the base yeah really about building the base you've got to really put yourself in the environment that you're going to be in for the race there's no better training than training for what you're going to actually exactly going to be doing so yeah spend a lot of time on the trails just just around sort of outside of Perth metro area did a few trips down south and stuff as well but it was really about getting time on feet 
So not necessarily doing a 20-kilometre run a couple of times a week. Obviously, I was trying to build my average kilometres up in the week to get that base in me. But it's about time on feet because if you think about a 24-hour race, it's not about going out hard and, and crashing at the end. You've got to be on your feet all night. You know, in the 2, 3, 4 in the morning, you're going to be on your feet. You're going to be cold. You're going to be wet. So it's a lot to take on. So training was, you know, doing some four-hour sessions, five-hour sessions, six-hour sessions, practicing nutrition, you know, what you're going to eat. So covering a lot of distance, but even there were times where you'd go for a hike. So you might only cover 20 kilometers, but you might be on your feet for four or five hours going up, getting a lot of incline in your legs and altitude and things like that. So so what's the distance that you would cover in that 24 hours and how close did you come to doing that in preparation or did you just do the short, shorter stints and then just get let the adrenaline and training kind of bring you through? Yeah, you, you don't quite get that close to what you're going to cover. My goal from word go, and this is before I even really started honing into this event. So I was still a bit green on all the distances and the times. I'd never done this before. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to aim for seven laps. Now, over in Sydney, it was an 11K course. So I thought seven laps, that's what's that? Sorry, seven laps of an 11K course. You know, you're looking at 77 kilometers plus 30 obstacles every lap. Let's, Let's go with that. That was my goal. And from there, I just, the longest run... I probably did was about 45 to 50 kilometers in the training, but there were some weeks there that I was going 100 kilometer plus weeks just to get those kilometers in my legs. So I didn't want to risk getting injured by doing anything more than that. But there were some long sessions as well that we'd incorporate strength, farmers carries where you're carrying weights beside yourself while you're walking because running's not the only part in these trigger it. You've got to literally crawl under barbed wire. You've got to walk through neck deep water that's probably you know five degrees in the middle of the night you've got to climb up hills with carrying sandbags on your shoulders there's a lot of stability a lot of things that you've got to practice as well so we'd throw all that in within the training what's the hardest part of the race because there is so many different aspects what do you find the hardest probably the darkness the hours between the coldest periods of night between sort of 2 a.m. and, and when just when the sun comes up, it got extremely cold. I don't know how cold it was, but there was a point there that probably challenged me the most where I couldn't stop shaking. And it wasn't just the cold of the night. It was obstacle number 15, which was about halfway through the course, was about a dam that was about 50 metres long and you had to go through it. You weren't allowed to go around it. You had to go through it, and it was neck deep. So you're getting completely drenched of water every single lap, and you do not dry. So your feet are always soggy. Your socks are always wet. You've got to, when you get back to the pit, back to where your food and your supplies are, you can change your socks and such, but you've only got so much clothing. You are getting so cold. So the toughest part of the night is when you're by yourself because you could be by yourself for hours because you're obviously not. You're going to lose some of your mates. You're going to meet new people, but you've got a head torch where you can see about a metre and a half in front of you and it's freezing, you're shaking, and all you're trying to do is look for the next obstacle, which would have generally a uh, either some lighting on it or, or a fire because the army cadet soldiers would camp there at each obstacle and they'd stay up overnight as well and make sure everyone got through okay and things like that. Yeah, the hardest part is, is the darkness of the night. It's a long time. It's a long time being dark and by yourself and 
you know, you can quite often have thoughts of wanting to quit. You know, that was that was the point I probably wanted to, to, to quit the most because I was just trying to make it from next obstacle to next obstacle and trying to get to that fire and just trying to warm my hands up and stop the shaking. It was incredibly cold. Sounds like more of a mental challenge than anything. What did you oh, then it, find it, out about yourself along the way? Yeah, and look, this is the whole reason I did this race is because, you know, I, I threw myself into something that I was not used to. I gave myself sort of six to seven months to try and get ready for it. And I probably was biting off more than I could chew um, going straight into something like this. I've done one obstacle course race, true grit state-based one. I, I trained incredibly hard, but I've never trained for anything like this before. So for me, it was a mental challenge. I wanted to find out, you know, what I was made of. I knew I could get through footy games. I knew I could get through hard workouts and you know, these sorts of things, but can I run all night and go through obstacles and stay awake, not sleep, try and run X amount of Ks and get through this? And most of the time you're by yourself. You can't get that support where you might get on another running race or, you know, your family's there or your friends are there to cheer you on every lap. You'd have a, a pit crew helping you, but you know, you only see them every couple of hours. So, yeah, I learnt a hell of a lot. In the end, I stayed till the end of the race. I think it was the 22. I was going to go for one more lap at the end, but I'd been battling and battling a sore knee. I'd been battling a bad ankle and they had just swollen up so much that when I was going to go for one more lap, uh, my mind said yes. So I went to get up and I couldn't straighten my leg. And eventually the swelling got so bad that I couldn't really go on and I was in too much pain, but I wanted to. And that's what what I was looking for. I wanted to know that my mind was still keen to keep going, but it was just unfortunate that my body just said no at the end. Now, you clean your house, you clean your teeth, you clean your clothes. But when was the last time you cleaned your gut? That's right, Refresh Juice want you to start 2021 with some new healthy habits, and they have the perfect way for you to do that. Why not try some of their fresh, unpasteurized juices or jump on board with their juice cleanse. That's right, it's the best cold-pressed juice cleanse in Perth, if I don't say so myself. And you can choose from three levels, ranging from fruity to more vegetable-based ones. There's eight juices you have per day and ranging between one to five days. It all depends on how game you are. Kim, who I'm speaking to today, he actually does these cleanses himself and honestly, that man optimizes health and fitness. So... If you want to be like him or just kickstart your health journey, why not jump on the Refresh Juice Cleanse? Use the code Left of Field to get 10% off your first order. So slip slowly, smile, and enjoy. Refresh Juice have got you covered. What's the pressure with picking the right shoes? How did you did you have the right? <laughs> I just imagine that 24 hours constantly moving. How do you pick the yeah. perfect shoe? I had a absolute yeah, meltdown before, like a week before I started stressing out for this exact reason. You do, you need to train with the shoes you're going to wear. You need to, you need to have a change of shoes. I kept swapping, you know, weeks leading up. I wasn't happy with some of the shoes. I was trying different ones. I, I really loved one particular pair, but they weren't built for, for endurance running. They didn't have the comfort. But then again, the ones I wanted for comfort they didn't drain water well, so they would fill up with water and just stay soggy and, and heavy. So there's all these elements that came into play, and in the end, I took over like seven pairs of shoes. <laughs> I just, I had no idea. So I wore the ones that I was comfortable in, and that drained water really well for about probably 
five of my eight laps, I think it was eight laps. Yeah, five of my eight laps. And then I changed and I nearly even put on some standard joggers at the at the very last point because my feet were so cut up. And honestly, if you saw a photo of my feet after the race, it makes you feel sick. It was just, it was really painful and blisters left, right and centre. But do you know what? Every Everyone was in the same boat. It, you could have the best shoes in the world and you'd still come to a point where your feet would just, would be aching. Feet are hot, so you, you know, they swell up in the shoes. So you you should go like a, a size, probably half size larger than what you'd normally wear. These little things come into play and it's just, you know, there's, there's so much preparation that goes into these events and it was, it was fascinating. It was really cool to learn and, and throw myself into it. Tell me about how altitude training helps you to prepare for an endurance or obstacle race. Yeah, so at the time I was doing some altitude training as well as not so much just the altitude training. I mean, that was uh, at the gym I was doing some work at the time had an altitude room, which was really cool. That was just working at a harsher environment and consistently. So, you know, with lack of oxygen and such. But really for me, it was getting onto, onto the natural slopes. So I went down to Albany and, and went up sort of Bluff Knoll and things like that, did some hikes and found some, you know, just some natural sort of hills and stuff, a lot of hill training just to really build that muscle endurance into your legs and things like that. It, spending a lot of time on feet in those sorts of areas and on the trails, especially with the rockiness and the harsh terrain that you have to go through on that race, your ankles are just under so much pressure. And I found that was probably the best training I did doing hill work outside. How has your experience in pushing through those mental barriers to push your body to its absolute limits helped you to become a better personal trainer? How's it helped you in that kind of aspect? Because I bet you get a lot of clients who say they're tired, but you would know the true definition of it. Oh, for sure. And you know what? It's funny. You speak to people that have done that race. And before I did the race, they said, be prepared that after this event, you're normal running or normal things aren't going to feel the same anymore. You're going to want to do so much more. And I'm someone that always loves challenges. I'll throw myself into anything, but it's true. Once I got back from that and I went to go footy training with the boys, I was often doing a 10K run just before I'd go train for footy because I was like, oh, an hour of footy skills, probably not going to be enough for me. I want to do more. And it's it's just instilled in me that I've done something that's challenged me so hard and so much that now training sessions at the gym or general things that I'd normally want to do, I always want to do more now, which is great. So I've really built that mental strength. You talk about that drive to do a bit more. What's the most obscure kind of training then that you do now? Do you do things that are a bit outside the box to test your body and push you to the limit? Yeah, look, the last few months, no, because I broke my big toe trying to race my son in the backyard. Yes, look, I'm always looking for something stupid or abstract or something crazy to, to have a crack at. I've got a couple of mates that also enjoy getting amongst it. So, look, you know, I, I like to do spur-of-the-moment things and throw myself in the deep end and, and just have a go at things. Of recent times, we went down to, the, obviously, the highest heat WA was Bluff Knoll, which is in Albany, and went up there, and it's a, a really high elevation, but it's three kilometres up to the top. I think it's about 1,100 metres elevation above sea level. And it was a it was a nasty day. It was, it was windy. It was freezing, and it was slippery, and it was absolutely horrible. We got all the way to the top. You know, we left at four a.m. hiking up. We got up there, and it was just cloud covered everywhere. You couldn't see a thing. We we couldn't get that beautiful view that everyone shares on Instagram, sitting on the rock with all this magic view. We got nothing. It was just completely clouded out. But there was on Strava, which is a, a running up app. There's some records 
on who can do the fastest descent. So you've literally got to run down from the top to the bottom of the mountain as fast as you can to try and log it. And the person who I was up there with, Shannon Daly, he had the fastest time at that particular time. I think it's been knocked off by one of our other friends, Cam. So as I said, it was a horrible day. I strapped the GoPro to the top of the head and I just went for it. I said, I'm having a crack at this. So I just absolutely started running down. Those that have done Bluff Knoll would know that there is just things coming out of everywhere. There's rocks, there's boulders, deep hills. There's, you know, really dangerous areas there. That if you make a wrong turn, you're gone. You could kick steps. There's pine coming out of the floor. There's all sorts of things. It's very dangerous, but... Knowing what I did then, I might not run it like that again now. But yeah, I had a pretty bad stack. About halfway, I kicked something out of the ground and tumbled and made for some pretty funny GoPro footage. I continue swearing at myself and telling myself to harden up and you can get through this and stop being weak and you know blah, blah, blah. But continued on and, and got down. Now, I, I managed to get second spot, but I, I couldn't knock off me mate. Yeah, copped a little bit for it at the end. But it, it was a those that have done it or those that have even walked Bluff Knoll would know that sprinting down it would be, is a pretty crazy thing to do. So that's that's probably one of the ones that I've done of late. But look, I'm always up for different challenges and throwing myself into anything that comes at me. So Well, I definitely know what you're talking about with Bluff Knoll. I've done it myself. And actually, when I did it talking about a broken toe, I had actually broken my toe and halfway down my foot, I'd broken a few bones. Oh, yeah. yeah, we mean boyfriend decided it'd be a good time to go hike up there where I could hardly walk thinking that it'll be all right. It'll just be a nice little hike. (laughs) And I'm hobbling up and down and I had some not nice language coming out of my mouth. So I understand. Yeah, it is a struggle. At one stage I considered the crawl. I was like, is it bad if I hands and knees it? Because I don't know if I can actually do it. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's a tough little trail. It's, It's a tough hike up, you know, Two days after that, I could hardly walk. My quads were absolutely blown. Yeah, sprinting. Um, running down a hill that quick, oh, it was, it was intense, but yeah. What's coming up next for you then? So what is your next big endurance race? So yeah, I sort of gave myself a bit of a break over the last few months after sort of just popping a few injuries. So I sort of cleared the schedule and I just thought, and then everything that happened last year with COVID and such, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to not make any hard plans right now and just sort of see what comes up. But I'm just starting getting getting back into some um, some good training at the moment. I've kept the distances a bit shorter, um, and there's a few races that I want to do and try and get back to a little bit more speed work um, as a bit of a change up. But next one on the event is an obstacle course uh, course race with Red Dust, which is the one I mentioned earlier. They've got an event called Impetus on the 13th and 14th of March, which is just in the middle swan. They're doing some really great things. You know, they're putting themselves up there with like the True Grit and the Spartans of this competition. So there's some pretty good athletes that are in and amongst this event coming over from the Eastern States, as well as some awesome competitors here in WA as well. And look, they're building really well. So I'm going to jump into that. And then from there, I hope to get back into some more trail running this year, get amongst the trails and enjoy some good running. But yeah, just I'm, I'm really set to have a good, enjoyable year. I'm not going to put too much pressure on myself and then build the endurance back up probably towards the end of the year and, and might jump into something uh, a bit bigger. Sounds very tough. And so what is a motto then that you like to live life by? I ask all my guests this question. Yeah, look for me. With my old man, he always used to say, and the way I was brought up, was, there's, there's no such word as can't. And I've always taken that on board. And I think that's where I instilled to be really confident. So, you know, whether it's in fitness, in health and fitness, or just in general life, 
it's almost like not taking no for an answer and that, you know, there's no such word as can't. So I've, you've got to have the confidence to do something and, and have a crack at something because if you don't, then you've already failed yourself. So everything that I do, I truly believe that I can do it and I will do it. And if I fail whilst trying, then at least I've given it a crack and I've learned from it. Amazing. That is wonderful. Thank you so much. It was really great to find out what goes into becoming an endurance athlete and entering these crazy 24-hour races. Maybe people can find you on Instagram and do a training session with you. Absolutely. Yeah, no, welcome anyone that wants to come for a trail run or do an event or anything. Yeah, they can uh, let me know. I'll shoot me a message and they'll tee it up for sure. Love to. Perfect. Well, thanks for chatting to me today, Mondi. Thanks so much. Thanks again, Monty, and thank you, my beautiful listeners, for tuning in to another episode. I'll be back again next week, as always, so don't go too far from your phone, and have a wonderful week.